Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans. He was on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home. But just time means you're going to acquire smells. Whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. How often do I give you some kind of specific call to action on this show? Hardly ever. Have I ever done it? Maybe once? Asked you to go do this, go do that? I don't, I don't do that. I'm not, I'm not your parent. 
I, I hopefully make your evening a little bit better for 15 minutes at a time, make you laugh, inform you a little bit. Let's, let's do this together. Tonight's going to be just a little bit different. Tonight, I want you to promise me you're going to do something. Something maybe you've already done, then you don't have to worry about it. But I want you to go buy a gun. I want you to go buy a gun. I want you to do it legally. And I want you to train with that gun. No, I don't mean you have to go turn yourself into a Green Beret. That's not what I mean. I want you to buy a weapon legally, buy some ammunition, figure out how to use it safely first, go take a gun safety class first, then get to the range. Make sure you're, make sure you're competent with it. Might even find yourself enjoying it. Might even find yourself blowing off some steam. Why am I telling you this? We are entering into a different period in America. No, I'm not doing a doom and gloom thing where uh, the civil war is kicking off tomorrow. We're going to be shooting each other in the streets. No, it's not what I'm saying. I wouldn't tell you that. I don't believe that at all. And Lord, please don't let that be true because that is uglier than you can imagine. However, what's that old saying? When did Noah build the ark? Before the rain. Before the rain. That's when he built the ark. We have seen four years of political violence. Four years of political violence against Trump supporters. No, you don't need to go out there and return fire. But you need to understand, as the left continues to clinch down its cultural control around you, there are things of yours they want. What's my rule? What do I, what do I tell you? Every night I tell you this about leftism. It is not a political ideology. It is a religion of domination. You see, you think they have it all right now. You can make that mistake because I've made this mistake. I still make it all the time. I think to myself, oh, gosh. Well, it can't get any worse. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. If you had told somebody, even in 1990, that the leftists would completely take over the education system, they probably would have said, oh, I can see that. If you told somebody in 1990 that the leftists would take over Hollywood, they'd say, oh, I can see that happening, yeah. But if you told them the leftists would worm their way through the churches, they wouldn't believe you. If you told them the leftists were going to work their way through the United States military, that our own military would be teaching diversity classes, you would, they would not have believed it. They would have told you you were crazy. Ah, oh, it'll never happen. There, un, there are unconquered lands out there in their minds. And your home and your personal protection is one of the big ones. Look at the history books. Look at every leftist who's taken power in the history of the world. It's not an accident. They all took away personal firearms. All of them. Every single one of them. Because the truth is, and this modern left is not different. Don't convince yourself you live in more civilized times. That's a, that's a lie people tell themselves. These leftists have all kinds of things they want to do to you. All kinds of things they want to force you to do. And the only thing, and I mean the only thing, that has stopped them from being a lot more aggressive than they are is guns. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to think about it. You certainly don't want to think about shooting somebody. And I don't want you to think about it. 
I just want you to be competent. Do you think it's an accident? All these people were assaulted and murdered. All these people on the right were assaulted and murdered over the last four years. And each and every time it happened, it was in some big anti-gun city. They tried that crap one time in Austin, Texas, and there was an Antifa guy laying on the ground dead afterwards. They never tried it again. I don't want you to have to train in all your free time and become some super soldier. I'm not saying that, but I am asking you tonight, go get a weapon. Get it legally, learn to use it safely, learn to become competent with it. It is the final fig leaf. It is the one thing they're going to need to take away from all of us before they can do all the things they want to do. And I can't emphasize this enough. Like I just said, our leftists here want to do all the same things that leftists have always wanted to do. Don't for a second believe this lie people tell you of, wow, this isn't the Soviet Union. This isn't China. Oh, come on. Pol Pot's not in charge. Oh, it's not Castro. Every single one of those scumbags, they didn't sell hatred. They didn't sell death on the way up. They all sold. No, it's different. I'm here for you. I'm here to protect you. I'm here to help you. I'm here for the working men. No, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Until they got there, and then it wasn't okay anymore. They're always selling that thing. Oh, don't be paranoid. What are you talking about? We're just a little different. No, we're not a little different. I want to be left alone. They want to dominate me. The only protection I have against that is weapons. There, go get your weapon. And look, we're about to have, in all likelihood, I mean, it looks like, looks like this is where we are. It looks like we're about to have Joe Biden as president of the United States. And here's his own words. Why should anyone have faith that you're the one who can get this done now? Because I'm the only one that ever got it done nationally. I beat the NRA twice. I got assault weapons banned. I got magazines that could not hold more than 10 rounds in them. I got them eliminated, except we had a thing called an election with hanging chads in Florida, and it was not reauthorized. In addition to that, I passed the Brady Bill with waiting periods. I led that fight. But my friend to my right and others have, in fact, also given to the gun manufacturers absolute immunity. Imagine if I stood here and said, we give immunity to drug companies. We give immunity to tobacco companies. That has caused carnage on our streets. 150 million people have been killed since 2007 when Bernie voted to exempt the gun manufacturers from liability. More than all the wars, including Vietnam, from that point on. Carnage on our street. And I want to tell you, if I'm elected and I'm coming for you and gun manufacturers, I'm going to take you on and I'm going to beat you. I'm the only one who's done it. That's him talking. That's him talking. That's your next president talking right there. I'm coming for you. And we're going to talk to several experts about it on the show tonight. Make no mistake about it. He can do damage with that executive pen. And who talks like that? to any private company, to any private industry. We have 150 million gun owners in America. He's pointing at the camera saying, I'm coming for the companies that provide you the weapons you love. You ready to go buy that weapon yet? I know what you think. Oh, Jesse, well, Joe Biden's going to last about a week there before he, before he can't do the job anymore. Well, here's his backup. 
And I can speak about the issue of gun violence as a national issue. And um, nationally, there are so many areas that we need to focus on. Um, there is the issue of what we need to do that is about smart gun safety law. And that means having background checks. Um, just asking the question about whether someone has been convicted of a violent felony before we allow them to purchase a gun, things like that. We need to make sure that we are also dealing with the impact of gun violence on communities. It exacts so much trauma on a community, most of which we do not diagnose and treat. There is what we need to do that is about realizing that in so many communities where you see these high rates of violence, these are also the communities where there's low home ownership, where there are underfunded public schools, things of that nature. So th all of these things need to happen in addition to making sure that, the, that there are the resources to investigate those cases and make sure that there's going to be a consequence and accountability. Not very comforting, is it? And Part of me thinks to myself, look, we, we have this coming. We, if, if we aren't smart enough to keep Donald Trump and elect these people, fairly or otherwise, then we deserve what's coming. Well, on a macro level, society-wide, that may be true. But I know this. I don't want you to be hurt. I want you to be safe. I want me to be safe. I want my family to be safe. And there's a reason Democrats are constantly trying to disarm you. There is a reason. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We have a packed show for you tonight. We got gun experts across the board. What, what's Joe Biden want to do? What can he do? That's really the question, right? What can he do? Well, we're going to find out tonight. Coming up next. Joining me now from BearingArms.com, Cam Edwards. Cam, were you ever a bartender when you were younger? I was thinking about that movie Cocktail earlier when he's doing all the bottle flipping thingies and pouring the drinks and stuff like that. I always thought that would be cool. I think I could do that. I have good hands. You would be a great bartender. Um, no, I never was a bartender. always kind of wanted to be. I uh, actually sent my oldest son to bartending school so, uh, so he can make a good drink. But my very first job was at the snack bar at a bowling alley. So I was actually serving pitchers of beer when I was 15. Not supposed to do that, but I think the statute of limitations has run out. So I can I can finally admit that yes, I was pouring drinks, but I wouldn't call myself a bartender. Of course, you know what? Underrated is a bowling alley cheeseburger. For some reason, those things tend to deliver. But all right, Cam, guns. How radical is Joe Biden on guns? Not how radical will he go what is his actual history before we find out how radical he'll go? Well, I mean, look, he is the architect of the Biden gun ban, which was in effect from 1994 to 2004, banned the most commonly sold centerfire rifles in America, you know, the guns that uh, Biden declared to be so-called assault weapons. But you can also look at his own campaign website. In his words, Biden describes the Second Amendment as limited. Uh, he wants to, again, ban uh, so-called assault weapons, the most commonly sold rifles in America today. He wants to ban so-called large-capacity magazines, any magazine that would be over 10 rounds of ammunition. It's estimated, by the way, Jesse, that there are about 150 million magazines in this country that would meet that definition. There are about 20 million firearms. 
that would meet Biden's definition. So we're talking about going after, you know, items that are that most gun owners have. Those are the items that Joe Biden wants to ban. If we don't turn them into the government, we're supposed to register them with the government. We're supposed to pay a tax on every one of those items to the government. Uh, and that's really just the beginning of Biden's, you know, anti-gun history and his anti-gun agenda. Well, I just want to be clear, Cam, for everybody on video right now, I don't have any of those magazines in my house, and I certainly don't have a large supply of them. Cam, do you? You know what? I do, Jesse, and I'm not giving them up. We're not going to go into a boating <laughs> accident. I'm not going to fall into the river. I'll say right here, right now, that I do own items that Joe Biden wants to ban, and I'm not turning them over. I have no plans on registering them with the government. If they want to come and get me, they can come and get me, but they're not going to get my guns. Cam, a new president, assume, and I'm doing a big assumption right now, but assuming Joe Biden is sworn in, a new president only has so much political capital for whatever his hot button issues are. People remember Obama went all in on Obamacare and got that piece of crap passed. But he really didn't get another thing passed the rest of his presidency. Used up all his political capital, lost the House because of it. I mean, you get you get one big one or a couple small ones. Do you think guns are enough of a passion for Joe Biden that he goes after them hard? Yes and no. I, I think that they are a passion for Biden. I do think he's going to go after him hard. Um, I think the makeup of Congress is going to make it very tough for him, at least in the first two years, if he becomes president to enact that legislative agenda. Uh, but we're already seeing signs. I mean, look, Health and Human Services Secretary, Biden just named California Attorney General Javier Becerra to be the Health and Human Services Secretary. This is a guy without any medical experience whatsoever. He's the Attorney General of California, but Biden is putting him in the cabinet, probably as a sop to Planned Parenthood. But it also has to be noted that, you know, Becerra's got a long anti-gun history. Health and Human Services, they control a lot of federal funding dollars for anti-gun research. Um, so, you know, we're, we're watching the administrative moves from Joe Biden. We, we know that the Biden transition team is already reaching out to the ATF, for example. Uh, we know that Biden has talked about banning the importation of so-called assault weapons through administrative action. And I think that Biden is planning on weaponizing the ATF and using that agency to go after things like AR-style pistols, to go after 80% receivers and frames, unfinished firearms, that gun control advocates call ghost guns. Um, Biden is going to try to do whatever he can, I think, administratively. And, and that's where he's going to, I think, have the most room to maneuver, quite frankly. How much damage can he do without a law being passed to, to maybe not somebody hardcore, maybe not to Cam Edwards, but to the average gun owner? Maybe he has an AR-15-1. Maybe he has a, a couple pistols lay, laying around with some magazines. Can he do any damage without a law to that guy? Sure, absolutely. Uh, you, you know, I mean, obviously, again, you look at the, the power that the ATF has to determine what items are. And I don't want to get too far in the weeds here, but Already we're starting to see the ATF go after things like pistol stabilizing braces. Now, again, maybe new gun owners don't know what these things are, but they're pretty common on AR-style pistols. There are about three or four million of these firearms that are lawfully owned in the country today that Biden could go after, try to turn the existing owners of these guns into felons if they don't register their items under the National Firearms Act. Uh, and then you look at the, the, the effort that I think Biden will try to engage in in terms of pushing state-level gun laws, 
So on his campaign website, you can see that Biden wants to give grants, DOJ grants to states to implement Massachusetts style gun licensing laws, basically where a police chief has to sign off and say, I think that person is suitable to own a gun. Not that they've got the right to own a gun, not that they passed a background check, but that they're suitable based on that police chief's own personal you know, uh, decision as to whether or not that person gets to exercise their second amendment rights. Those are the types of things that Biden wants to put in place. He knows, again, it's gonna be difficult for him to do that at the federal level, but he's gonna work with his allies anywhere and everywhere he can to restrict the second amendment. Because again, his own words, he says the right to keep and bear arms is quote, limited. He's gonna do everything he can to limit those rights if, you know, for however long he's in office. Okay, explain for the layperson. We like to educate people on this show, Cam. As you know, I'm highly, highly educated myself. Explain what a pistol brace is. So a pistol brace, it's basically, it attaches to your forearm. If you've got an AR-style pistol, these are, you know, these are not concealed handguns. These are big handguns. Uh, and a lot of folks will actually strap a brace onto their forearm that will help stabilize that pistol while they're shooting it. The ATF has taken the position that in some cases, not in every case, because these stabilizing braces are actually the stock of a firearm. And when you use that gun, if you were to actually hold it up to your shoulder, that would turn the gun, just you the act of raising it to your shoulder, would turn that firearm from a pistol to what the uh, ATF designates as any other weapon or a short-barreled rifle, both of which designations fall under the purview of the National Firearms Act of 1934. So again, what, what's a gun owner to do? What's a gun manufacturer to do? If they're trying to figure out what's legal, what's not, the ATF can make it as fuzzy and as vague as they possibly can. And that throws as many people as possible into legal jeopardy for using the firearms that they currently own. Cam, why do we have an ATF? Where'd this thing come from? <laughs> I asked myself that question quite a lot, Jesse. Um, so the ATF was originally part of the Department of Treasury. They moved it over to Department of Justice, I believe, after the Gun Control Act of 1968. Uh, this is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. So it, it's not just an agency that goes after guns. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be the ATFM if we you know, decriminalize marijuana. I don't know if they're going to add to it. Uh, it is an institution that I think has been ripe with abuse um, and and really, you know, anti-gun attitudes for decades. I was, you know, looking back at the Trump administration, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that President Trump did not nominate a permanent director of the ATF who would have then had the purview and the authority to shut that agency down. But we didn't get that. And so instead, you know, career bureaucrats remain in charge of that agency. Uh, and again, I think they're just going to play hell with gun owners over the next couple of years. Why didn't Trump do it? It's a good question. I, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, the ATF, it may have been a policy of benign neglect. Uh, let's just ignore it. And, you know, maybe it'll atrophy and, and they won't be able to do much. Um, if that was the calculation, I, I think it was a miscalculation. Because, again, for most of the ATF's time during the Trump administration, they've been okay. They haven't raised a lot of eyebrows, haven't caused a lot of headlines. But starting about a year ago, maybe even more than that, maybe about a year and a half ago, they started making these moves and making it pretty clear that the, um, the, the, the anti-gun administrators, those who are, again, the career bureaucrats, were either planning on a Joe Biden victory, they were assuming that it was gonna happen, or they just decided, you know what, we're gonna take the mask off. 
Uh, and we're going to start doing some things that the Trump administration has objected to. And the Trump administration has come back and said, listen, don't do this. And the ATF has basically slow walked, uh, you know, any compliance with the administration because they know now that they're living on borrowed time. If they can hold out until Biden gets in office, it's going to be a whole new day for them. Cam Edwards, BearingArms.com. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure, Jesse. All right, we'll be back. Joining me now from redstate.com and also co-host of the Red and Black Show, Jeff Charles. Jeff, guns are one of those things that make people who aren't familiar with them uncomfortable. I, I noticed it when I first got married. My wife didn't grow up around them. She'd see one of mine laying on the table, and she genuinely thought the thing was just going to go off. Is, that, is, what, is the problem we have in this country just the naivete about them? You know, I think it's just a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lack of education. I mean, I, I've seen videos with people who really support the First Amendment um, interact with people who don't really know much about guns and are afraid of them, like you said, and very much for gun control. But once they get more educated about what gun control is and what guns actually are, and, um, you know, when they're more educated on the subject, then they're less afraid of it. They may not, they still may not choose to own a gun themselves. But I think with this is one of those issues where once the education is there, you don't really need to persuade a whole lot. You, now that the other person actually knows what's going on, they understand what, how guns work, and common sense kind of kicks in. So yeah, I think it's, it's naivete, but I think it's really just a lack of education. Jeff, the Republican Party's messaging on guns, well, I despise it. Now, I know that's unsurprising because I despise many things about the Republican Party, but I feel like we give up ground to the left and do that. Well, I also like hunting and fishing thing. The Second Amendment had nothing to do with hunting deer, nothing whatsoever. And I don't understand why we feel like you have to message things that way. Or am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, and I, also, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with bringing up hunting and fishing. But when that's it, then you're not really... Uh, you're not really delving into what the Second Amendment was really about. The Second Amendment was about pushing back against the government when it becomes too intrusive. And I think a lot of times we get afraid of going there because we sound like conspiracy theorists. I mean, we, we, I think I, I think we might be concerned that people might think that we're we're saying that the government is plotting to, to oppress us and that we're back in 1776. But the reality is that this is supposed to be a check on the government. So if you put it a certain way, you don't sound crazy. I mean, now to, now to people on the far left, you're always gonna sound crazy when you criticize the government because they believe that the government is the source of everything great in the world. But to people who don't, I, I think it makes sense to talk about the, the, the possibility that if the wrong people get into power, they might use that power to crack down on our rights and we need to be able to defend ourselves. So I think I, I see nothing wrong with messaging it that way because it is a very, it is a very real rea uh, possibility. We see what, what happens in other countries. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. So I, I see nothing wrong with talking about how it helps to preserve our liberty and yes, allows us to hunt and fish and it allows us to defend ourselves. Where do you think, where do you see the Republican Party having consistently screwed up with its messaging over the decades, 10, 20 years? Where have we really missed the mark? 
Well, I mean, I, I mean, the, the Republican Party has a, a messaging messaging problem overall. So I think a lot of it is in what you've said, but I think it's really in not holding our ground and really explaining to people what the Second Amendment is really about. Like I said, the Second Amendment to me is a, is a really different animal because, like I said, you don't have to do a whole lot of persuasion. If you educate people and if you focus on educating the, the populace and people who are leery about guns, you're going to automatically win people over. On, on top of that, we haven't really delved into the history of the gun control movement and how it's affected uh, minorities. I mean, that, that's the left's favorite thing to talk about, and yet they push for a, a legislation that makes it harder for black, and, black men and black women to defend themselves. So I think not only educating on how guns work and how the Second Amendment work, but we need to do better. And this is one of those few areas where I think we need to point out how the left is wrong and how, what their, and how their ideas are dangerous when it comes to this issue. How has it hurt black people? I know this was one of those things during those Black Lives Matter riots where, where people would put up these videos online of a bunch of black men walking down the street armed as if someone was going to care. I've never cheered so loud in my life. I want everybody in society armed. That's all fine by me. But apparently a lot of people had a major problem with it. How has the left hurt them? Yeah, I mean, the, the very origins of gun control was specifically designed to keep weapons out of the hands of freed black slaves. But you fast forward into now, and you look at uh, like a Joe Biden's plan, which, by the way, if, it, if, if the Washington Post is willing to put out an article criticizing your plan on guns, you're probably doing something wrong. I mean, they, they, they said he, even he goes too far. Basically, the, the way they do it now is they put so many restrictions on gun ownership and, and they make it so expensive to own weapons that people that, that the, the people who are poor or middle class, it's hard for them to, to afford to own one. This isn't just at the federal level. This is even at, at the city level. I mean, lo local, like Chicago, Philadelphia, they put so many different fees on it that the only people who can actually own, own guns are people who are more well off. So who does, who does this inadvertently affect, it affects people in Chicago who might need to have that protection, but they can't afford to pay for all the regulations and the rules involved in, in getting a weapon. And under Biden's plan, if he succeeds, people who already own guns will have to pay even more to register them with the government. I mean, and, and his plan covers what, what he calls assault weapons, but, that, but his, by his definition, that can cover handguns, shotguns, it can cover rifles, AR-15s. So that the way they make it harder for black people to get guns now is by putting so many different fees and fines and, and what have you that if, they, if they're going to own a gun, they have to do it illegally. And guess what? If they get caught, that makes it even harder for them to own a gun. Jeff, what is the problem in Chicago? So, uh, not to change the subject off the guns, but what is the problem there? People love to hold up Chicago and their murder numbers, and it's a disaster. Is it just as simple as Chicago is a central drug hub used by the cartels, and therefore the street gangs fight over that? Is, that, is it just that simple? I think that's part of it. But, I mean, if you look at any major city, Chicago, Baltimore, D.C., um, this isn't always very popular on the right, but the main problem is that the Democrats have a lack of competition. They have no incentive to do better for the, the, the residents who, who live in those cities. Uh, Baltimore people, Baltimore as well, their governments are corrupt. I've spoken with candidates who, who run at the local level in those, in those cities, and, and they're, they're just full of corruption. And the government will, their local governments will pretend that they care, but in reality, they don't want to do anything about, about any of this. So they're not really going to crack down on crime because they don't really have to do anything. Now, if they had actual competition from the GOP, then 
they'd either lose or they'd be forced to actually implement policies that would make a difference, even beyond crime. I mean, talking about edu education, economic policy. So I think that that's really what it is. They'll, they'll play the lip service game because they know they're going to get the votes anyway. And in a lot of cases, especially in Chicago, at the local level and at the state level, people are running unopposed. Democrats run opposed. They don't even have to campaign. They win the primary, then they just coast for the, for the rest of the election season. So there are a lot of different factors that figure into that, but I think that's one of the main ones. What do we do about it, Jeff? Look, I, it's easy to point fingers, but mm -hmm. I, I haven't run here. It's not like I've run here in Houston. I ran for Congress a couple of times in Arizona. It is a slog to run for, for office, especially when you sure. know, I mean, you pretty much know you're going to get your teeth kicked in. You run in an all-black neighborhood in Chicago, you're going to lose by a lot. And I mean a lot. You run as a Republican in an all-black neighborhood in Chicago. So how do we convince good people to do it so we can win over time and bring our messaging there? You know, I, I think a lot of it is being realistic. And I tell Republicans all the time, I mean, this is, this is a marathon, not a sprint. You're not going to win at first. But if the GOP were to focus on supporting candidates in areas where they can win, because believe it or not, there are areas in some of those cities where a Republican would have a chance then I think that over time, we would see a difference. Again, it, it's not going to happen in one or two years. It might take five up to, up to 10 years to actually make inroads in these cities. But I think the key is to really focus on, on areas where a Republican candidate would have a much better shot of beating that incumbent. And the more, and the more Republicans show up and actually support the candidates who show up, that, that, in that way, the Republicans can kind of rebuild the trust that the black community used to have in the GOP. How'd they lose that trust? Ooh, that, that might take me a while to explain, but um, again, it's not very popular, but it started right after Reconstruction. Um, it started from Reconstruction and up until now. I mean, if you look at uh, the Lily White movement that came up in the Republican Party, that movement is very inconvenient for the Republican Party, but it was specifically designed to alienate black voters so that they can focus on other voters in the South. So when they started kicking, literally kicking out black Republicans in the South who helped to build the party, then it's, it started there, it continued on. And there were always people on the in the Republican Party who were trying to fight this, to, to stay true to their roots. But um, but over that time, and then you go up to the 60s where they, yes, they did vote for civil rights legislation, but then uh, Goldwater came on the scene. And again, this won't be popular again, but Goldwater basically put the knife in the heart of GOP outreach to the black community. He very explicitly said that he's not going to try to win over black voters because it's not worth it. Um, he wouldn't support civil rights legislation um, in that time. And he got 6% of the black vote. And since then, um, I don't think any Republican presidential candidate has gotten over 15% of the black vote. But it wasn't just at the presidential level. Um, a lot of the people who followed him had that same approach at the local and state level. So at, at a certain period, they kind of just gave up and surrendered the black vote to the Democrats. And so th there's actually a lot more to that, but I'm just giving you the, the, the thumbnail version of it. But that's essentially uh, what happened. Uh, the Democrats were oh. willing to offer certain things, and they, a lot of them were leftist policies, and black people went from because the Republicans wouldn't offer anything to compete with that. So, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you did. I find it interesting. You know what? I'm having you on again next week because I want to talk about this with you. Jeff Charles always has something to you. say. Thank you, my man. I appreciate you. No problem. You have a good one. Be good. We'll be back.
Joining me now, Adam Kraut. He is the, re the director of legal strategy for the Firearms Policy Coalition. Adam, I hear people on the right say all the time when they talk about the things the left wants to do about guns. That's against the law. It's against the law. They can't do that. It's against the Constitution. Is it? Do we still have that kind of protection anymore with all the precedent that's out there? Oh, absolutely. When the courts get it right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, which courts get it right? Which courts get it wrong? How confident are we in our new Supreme Court? How do we feel right now? Well, uh, you know, without having the new Supreme Court with Justice Barrett sitting, uh, having ruled on anything, we can only go on her past decisions, which would indicate that as far as Second Amendment cases are concerned, uh, you'd be looking at a, a favorable ruling. Um, one of the biggest problems we've seen since Heller was decided and then McDonald uh, and then you you have Catano after that uh, is that the lower courts have taken the test that the uh, Supreme Court set forth in Heller and have more or less abandoned it. Uh, you know, Heller said you when analyzing Second Amendment challenges, you're supposed to look at the text of the Second Amendment as informed by the history and tradition of the country. And a lot of times you're seeing these lower courts go, yeah, what we're going to do actually is we're going to apply this two part test. And then we're going to add, uh, you know, whether it's intermediate or strict scrutiny, and they always go to intermediate scrutiny almost always. And then they uh, water it down even further. So you get to pretty much rational basis, which the Supreme Court said isn't even an option. Uh, so I think we're, we're optimistic that the new court with Justice Barrett will uh, provide a uh, well-grounded, well-reasoned opinion that will hopefully whip the lower courts into line. Uh, explain and pretend I was just born yesterday. Explain the Heller decision. Explain that case to people who don't understand what you're talking about. Sure. So Heller was uh, one of the first instances where the court uh, looked at the Second Amendment. Uh, you know, when you look at Second Amendment jurisprudence, it's relatively young relative to First Amendment stuff. And Heller was a challenge to uh, the District of Columbia's gun laws that required uh, individuals uh, to, to uh, essentially that they couldn't uh, keep a uh, firearm, a handgun uh, in their home uh, for, for self-defense. And the court looked at that and said that this is unconstitutional and for the first time uh, actually stated that the uh, right to keep and bear arms uh, was not uh, solely in relation to the militia. It wasn't a collective right, as had been argued previously, uh, but that it was an individual right, that you, I, uh, any of us possess as individuals and, and separate and apart from the uh, militia, which is what everybody would try to lump it in as, well, this is only applicable to the militia itself. So um, when we look at the history of um, the, the right, and this goes back to ancient, well, I guess technically not ancient times, but the early uh, 13th, 14th century in Europe. And the, the decision, if you read it, actually traces the history of this idea of individuals being able to bear arms for defense of themselves and their homes and how that was used in society uh, all the way through colonial America and up into the, the present current day. So Heller, essentially, the, the main gist of Heller is that you have an individual right to keep and bear arms uh, for the purposes of self-defense. It's unconnected to the militia clause in the Second Amendment uh, and that um, 
that's I mean that was pretty much the gist of it. We hear leftists talk all the time, speaking of the militia clause, since you brought it up, you hear leftists talk all the time about that's a, that has nothing to do with you owning a weapon. That's about a militia. Would you please elaborate on what they were talking about? Well, yeah, so the, the idea uh, that the argument that, um, that it has to do with the militia, not you, is that you could be called up as part of the militia service in defense of the state or the country, uh, and that would be the mechanism for which you would be able to bear arms, and that it wasn't for you as an individual to, uh, you know, have a firearm in your home to defend your home against, you know, a potential intruder or carry a firearm in public to defend yourself against potential harm from, you know, uh, a robber or uh, somebody who was looking to do you harm, something like that. Um, well, doesn't it also, I mean, weren't they really talking about defending yourself against the government? Didn't Jefferson elaborate on you being the whole people as the militia, each and every person is part of it? Well, yes, I I see where you're going with this. Yeah, uh, and that was that was part of it was to you know the idea was to protect yourself against a tyrannical government. You have to remember at the time when the uh, country was founded, we had just fought a war against a king, uh, and and that was you know we also dealt with as colonial uh, colonists, uh, you know the the crown trying to disarm individuals who were seemingly unloyal to the crown or those who were openly uh, you know rebelling against it. Uh, so, yeah, the, the militia would be also for that purpose. Why is it so hard to find ammunition right now in this country? I, I obviously have some, a very small amount for anybody watching, but I have some, and I can't seem to find more. Why? Why the ammo shortage? Well, I think uh, there's a number of different reasons. You have COVID, uh, which was you know started and that read, led to a rise of people being concerned for their safety so there was a number of uh first-time gun purchasers there was a lot of uh, people who have already owned firearms that were starting to buy things uh then you had the uh riots that were occurring uh the assaults uh, crime things like that so that also added contributed to more people buying guns and ammunition uh and when you take all that into consideration, the number of first-time purchasers, you look at the number of NICS background checks that have been conducted month by month. I think this month was the first time, if I saw the report correctly, that it actually went down this year a little bit, but it was still like the one of the highest overall. Um, you know, it's just, you have a number of people buying guns and guns need ammunition. Uh, be it, you know, first-time gun buyer who buys a box of 50 and sticks it under their bed or somebody who's buying cases of ammunition to create an ammo for it. Adam Kraut, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you, my man. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too. All right. We'll be back. You buy that gun yet? I'm kidding. I know you were watching the show. Get up tomorrow. Go with the fam down there. If you're if you're nervous about it, I understand you might be nervous about it. I when I first met my wife, she had never held a weapon. She used to look at it horrified at the various weapons I have around the house. But all it takes is holding one, practicing with one. You will get comfortable with it. It is time. It is time. And I really can't emphasize this enough. The time is not next month. 
You don't know the plans that are coming. I don't know all the plans that are coming. The time is now. Get out there. Make sure you can protect yourself and protect your family from people who despise you. It's not about hunting deer. Don't fall for that lie. It's about protecting you, protecting your liberty, protecting your family. This country, it's not an accident they made the Second Amendment in there. It's not an accident. It's not, a, it's not an accident. It was number two in the Bill of Rights, right after your freedom to have some church. They wanted you to have some church, and they wanted you to arm yourself. Go be a good citizen and arm yourself. All right, we'll do it again. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans, who's our roadie. And uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.